welcome everyone here in the congregation tonight and those who are jumping on Facebook Live. This is number 154. We've been on this for over three years and it's only getting gooder and gooder. Gooder and gooder. Getting more revelation each and every day. And what I want to talk about tonight in this lesson of Mind-Brain Connection is quite a few things. Last week we looked at a lot of allegories. Well, tonight we're going to look at even more allegories. So if you have your Bible, let's open them to Matthew 27. And we're going to talk tonight about the red veil. The earthquake is happening in us. Yes. The rocks rent. The rocks split. I see a difference there between the rocks rent and the rocks split. We're going to look at the graves opening. Many arising, going into the holy city and appeared to many. We're going to talk about the centurion. We're going to talk about the women. And we're going to talk about the rich man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. And so what I want to begin, if you have your Bibles, in chapter 27 of Matthew, I want to ask the question tonight, why do we speak in allegory? What is the allegorical reality about? Well, it's leaving the historicity, just the history stories, not saying they didn't happen. Some did, some didn't. I'm convinced, but we're leaving just the history stories and we want to see the allegory because the allegory of these stories bring them alive to us. Not only do they make them alive to us, but an allegory points to the fact that we can experience the same thing in a spiritual, symbolic, or allegorical manner. Jesus never taught but in parables. So we teach in parables and allegory and hyperbole. Someone asked me this week, well, what is a hyperbole? It's an exaggeration. Let me give you an example. When Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Now, who's going to pluck out an eye? That's an exaggeration to make a point that we need to see beyond just the two eyes on our head and see by the single eye. If you're single eye, if you're single eyed, or if your eye is single, your whole body will be filled with light. Now, When we talk about the crucifixion, his crucifixion was our crucifixion. The old man was crucified. The old man is a metaphor for lower thoughts. Yes. Where was he crucified? Mount Calvary. Golgotha, that means the skull. Because what Jesus did in the crucifixion, the death and the burial, exposed all of those things that were in our skull that were not right. That's so good. Colossians 1.21 says we were alienated. Thank God it doesn't stop there because we never were. It says we were enemies. Thank God it doesn't stop there because we never were. We were enemies of God in our mind. So there were some things that needed to be crucified in us and it was the old way of thinking. Right. Jesus said it this way. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's Luke 19.10. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let me ask you, what was lost? The truth in our awareness. It was the truth in our awareness. So his crucifixion, death, and burial objectively crucified Cause the old thoughts to objectively die. Cause the old thoughts to objectively die.
objectively be buried. Now, if you bury something, it's no longer. Amen. So objectively, Come it's on. no longer. Those lower thoughts Amen. are no longer objectively. Amen. However, subjectively, in our walk and in our experience, we want to walk in the truth and experience it subjectively. Yes. Now, what part of us is it that gets challenged by lower thoughts or even by our intellect or human reasoning or logic or ego or five senses or emotions? What part of us gets challenged in that? Well, the same thing or the same part of the woman in the garden, Eve, that same part in yes. us gets challenged. Yeah. She was a woman, right? Yes. She was the feminine side of Adam. So when she was challenged, it says a serpent spoke to her, but the serpent represents the flesh realm. Yeah. The yeah. serpent can represent lower thoughts, like you are not and you will never be, and you're sick as a dog, and you've got this and you've got that and you've got the other. You're never gonna see daylight again. That comes, those thoughts come to our woman part. And so what we must do then is cast our energy to the right side, yes. yield those thoughts Amen. to our masculine principle so that the two can become one. Amen. Now I recently read a post just this week and this fellow was saying that our five senses have got to be shut down. No, they don't need to be shut down. They don't need to be crucified. They already were. Right. They need to be yielded to the Christ mind. And as they're yielded to our Christ mind, then they're swallowed up by the seed thoughts of Christ. And then the two, the masculine, the man, the woman, become one as a result of that yielding. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, there are numerous things that he said there that actually come from Hindu teaching. Believe it or not, Christians. It comes from Hindu teaching. He said, take no thought. He said, enter the closet and shut out the outside. I think that's why a lot of church edifices have stained glass windows, to shut off the outside. Problem is, they never shut off the outside. <laughs> they judge by good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of yeah. good and evil. But Jesus said, take no thought. He said, meditate. He said, go into the closet, shut the door. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all the, and his righteousness. And all these things will be added or unfolded. And in order, every one of those things, take no thought. Go into the prayer closet and shut the door and seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All of those involve and incorporate meditation and turning within. Right. You cannot do those things without turning within which right. is turning to the right side, yeah. and which is meditation, even if it's just for a second. Mm -hmm. Now, let's begin this tonight. You got Matthew 27. Look what it says there in verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. Now, we know that there was a temple, there was this tabernacle of Moses thousands of years ago, and there was a veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. When Jesus was crucified and died and took up, you know, gave up the ghost and took his last breath, that veil was rent in the temple from top to bottom, and this became one compartment. That happened literally in the physical temple in the tabernacle of Moses. However, now as we look at this allegory,
allegorically and spiritually and symbolically and parabolically, what we see is our woman part is the holy place. That's the feminine part. Our masculine part, the Christ mind, is the most holy place. When the veil is rent within us, or when it is torn from top to bottom, not only does it affect our awareness, but since our awareness is a projector projecting outwardly into the physical body, the seeds that we have sown into our feminine principle, I see this veil in us rent from top, from the awareness, all the way to the physical body. Yes! All the way to the physical body. Why and how can I say that? Because when the veil is rent in us, it becomes one compartment, objectively, masculine and feminine are one. I shared with you, I think it was last week or the week before, how the virgin consciousness in our feminine principle is spirit. And so that is how already masculine and feminine are objectively one. Because there is spirit in not just a masculine part, but in our feminine part as well. So they're objectively one. But now we must sow the seeds, literally sow the seeds into our woman, our feminine principle, our heart awareness. We must experience heart coherence. And as we do that, then our physical body, that aspect of the veil, our physical body, the bottom part of the veil that was rent, then begins to experience what was planted into our feminine Amen. principle. Amen. Now, this allegory of Golgotha, or the skull, objectively all of our lower thinking, all of our religious thoughts, all of ego, all of natural intellect, all of human reasoning, all of the five... See, Jesus on the cross experienced five wounds. He had seven wounds totally in his whole body, but on the cross, five wounds, both hands, both feet, and when they speared the side. And those five wounds represent and stand for the fact that our five senses were nailed to that cross and experienced that. So that now, subjectively, we can yield those five senses. And we do that as when the five senses scream at us, and try to give us a message as you're sick, you're this, you're broke, you're, you're all this, that, or the other, then we can yield those to our Christ mind and come back and say, but wait a minute. Yeah. That is not the truth about me, and it yeah. never was the truth about me. Amen. Now, Paul said it this way in Romans 8, 13 and Colossians 3, 5. He said to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Now, how would we mortify? The deeds of the flesh not feed into them and those deeds of the flesh those five senses are going to be feeling awful awfully mortifying because we're not feeding into them instead we're yielding them so when this veil was rent it signifies opening up the right side to us to where we now have access see before we didn't See, it says in Romans chapter 8, that it, and I know it says the carnal mind, but there's only one mind, and it's the mind of Christ. But to be carnally mindful cannot subject itself unto the law of God or the law yeah. of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Right. So until that veil was rent, in us, we did not have access to the masculine principle, to the Christ mind on the right side. We really did not have access until that took place. Amen. 
until that veil within us was rent. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we know that it says that at the cross, that the veil was done away with. But then it goes on to say, as we turn to the Lord in meditation within us, the veil is done away. Amen. It was taken away, and then we make it done away. Amen. And see, that's the subjective experience of walking in all that has Amen. been ours from before time ever began. Amen. Now, notice what it goes on to say in verse 51 of Matthew 27. It says, the next phrase is, the earth quake. The earth quake. The earth did quake, is what it actually says. That means when we let go of these lower thoughts, whether it be the emotions, the five senses, our intellect, human reasoning, logic, ego, whatever it is, when we let go of it, our earth is going to quake a little bit and shake a little bit. You're going to have an earthquake. Your earth is going to be fighting and screaming and maybe even cursing a little bit. And I believe that people, when they leave, you know, when they leave, religious teaching, yes. I believe they go, sometimes yeah. they go through some withdrawal yes. of that religious system that yes. they haven't been a part of. Man. So anytime we let go of those lower and we yield into our Christ mind, there's going to be, as it says here, the earth did quake. Yes. We're going to have some quaking yes. take place within us that's Hallelujah. going to scream at us and say, no, I don't want to do that. I've got all my friends and all my family yeah. in, this, in this religious system. Yes. But I want to tell you, if we're going to experience yes. the very fullness of this, yeah. there's going to be a time in our that's life right. where we're going to be called upon to yes. leave that system. Because yes. by identifying with that, we're still a part of it, and we still get a mixed message. God, this is good. Yeah. Now, it doesn't yeah. stop there with the earth did yeah. quake. It goes on to say, and the rocks rent. Yeah. Now, I believe there's a difference between the rocks renting oh. and the rocks splitting, and I'll talk about that. But first of all, where it says the rocks rent, what are the rocks that were rent, <laughs> allegorically? Listen to this. Rocks are the spiritual essence that man whose breath is in his nostrils cannot get on the inside of. That's right. As, in, as I just quoted in Romans chapter 8, where it says to be carnally mindful, mm -hmm. you cannot be subject to the law of God, speaking right. of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, not only do the rocks represent the spiritual essence that we cannot really get in and subjectively experience, when we're walking in man's inspiration, man whose breath is in his nostrils. Yeah. There it is. See, because it says there, and I think it's, it's Isaiah so 2.22 around in there, oh, it says, God. that man is of no account, spiritually speaking. Mm -hmm. Man whose mm -hmm. breath is in his nostrils. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay? So he can't get into the rock. Now, objectively, everybody's in the rock. Don't misunderstand. But I'm talking subjectively. Mm -hmm. To really get in there and really experience what we're talking about here in mind-brain connections. Mm -hmm. Now, what about the rock split? This is what the rock split represent. All of those things within you and I, yes. which have never been experienced yes. by walking in the left side in and of itself, has got to be split apart. Wow. Let me give you a scripture. It's in Hebrews, I think it's 4.12. It says the word of God is quick and powerful, dividing asunder or splitting yeah. soul and spirit. Yeah. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, mm -hmm. it says. So what is that talking about? What, what does the rock split have anything to do with us? It has something great to do with us. And of course, we know that, 
you know, the scripture also states and tells us that all that can be shaken will be shaken until only that which cannot be shaken Amen. will Amen. remain. Hallelujah. But that shaking is going to take a splitting in the midst of soul and spirit oh so that they can come together into one. And then the intellect becomes spiritualized or spiritual Amen. intellect. The reasoning Amen. becomes spiritual reasoning. Like Isaiah said, come, let us reason together. He wasn't talking about natural human reasoning. He was talking about spiritual reasoning. Your ego can even be used as a part of the Christ mind on the right side when that is yielded. Yes. Now let me take this splitting a little bit further because medical science has shown us if you look at a part of the brain, and you can see it right here on this chart, there is this veil. It's called a veil, it's called a web, and it's called the arachnoid. And they tell us that more, the more understanding that we come into, the thinner yep. this veil gets. It gets thinner. Until where it is so thin that it can be seen through. Now, let me show you. So, so the split, the splitting, the red veil, because it means a veil and a rent as well. When the veil was rent, this arachnoid was rent objectively. Now, as we grow and we come into the knowing of all things, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. As we come into that experience, this veil literally gets rent subjectively within our lives. Amen. Now, let me back up a little bit. Let me have you hang on to Matthew 27 and go, if you will, to Exodus 26. And let me show you some characteristics of this veil. Because in the Old Testament tabernacle, in the temples, the veil was made a certain way. And this veil represents something that speaks to us, very something very vital today. And look what it says there in Exodus 26 and verse 31. It says, and thou shalt make a veil. There's three colors here, a blue and a scarlet and a purple and fine twine linen of cunning work. In other words, it was made by skillful people. A cunning work means that it was skillfully made. So notice this veil was blue, purple, and scarlet. The blue is allegorical of peace. The purple is allegorical of kingship. We rule in life by one Christ Jesus through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It's us ruling. See, when the two are one, we're ruling over the lower thoughts. We're ruling where those lower thoughts and ego and five senses and emotions are concerned. We're ruling. So the blue is peace, the purple is kingship, it's ruling, and the scarlet is love. So you see, when we turn within to the right side, when we cast our energy to the right side, the two are joined together, and you totally, no matter what's going on around about you, I don't care if there's 40-foot tidal waves coming at you at every direction, you're going to be in peace and rest. Yes. Amen. I don't care how many negative thoughts come to you when the two have been joined, at least to a degree, into one, you're going to rule over those lower thoughts. No matter what is thrown at you, no matter what challenge is thrown at you, you're going to rule in that experience. And also the last one, the scarlet, which speaks of love, 
Love is going to be flooding out of you. Amen. Hallelujah. No matter what's going on in your life, Amen. you're going to experience peace, yeah. kingship, you're going to rule, and love is going to be exuding Amen. out of you. Amen. So Amen. this is the reason, folks, that we must move beyond just the little Bible stories. And, and you know, I've said this before. You know, people say, well, don't you believe it's literal? I don't care. I don't care whether some verses and stories are literal or not. It makes no difference to me. All I want to do is see yeah. the picture that it paints for me. Amen. Amen. That sounds like a poem. <laughs> All I want to do is see the picture it paints for me. Right? Allegorically. Then we can experience it. Now, look there in the rest of verse 31 of Exodus 26. It says, of cunning or skillful work, with cherubims shall it be made. With cherubims shall it be made. Now, the cherubims, when you study the cherubim, for example, on the Ark of the Covenant, right down here, there are two cherubim facing one another. And the cherubim means apprehended ones. Yes. It's the apprehension that the Father apprehended us with from before the yes. foundation of the world. Yes. And they're always looking down to this mercy seat because it's about mercy. Yes. Yep. You see. Now, let me give you another scripture, and then I'm going to say something else as you're turning there. If you'll hang on to Exodus, because we're going back there, but go to Ezekiel 41. Ezekiel 41 and verse 18. As you're turning there, let me say this. In Ezekiel 41 and 18, it talks about a lion, and it talks about the face of a man. Now, the man simply, the human face, represents intellect, human reasoning, logic, five senses, emotions in and of themselves. But the lion actually represents the right side, the ruling, the king. And here in Ezekiel 41, 18, look what it says. It's talking about still the veil. It says, and it was made, the veil, with cherubims. Remember, the cherubims are what? Us, apprehended ones, and blessers. It means blessers as well. And it was made with cherubims and palm trees. Palm tree speaks of maturity. So that a palm tree was between a cherub and a cherub, and every cherub had two faces. So that the face of a man, that's natural intellect there, human reasoning and so forth, was toward the palm tree on the one side and the face of a young lion toward the palm tree on the other side. So what are we talking about here? In this beautiful veil is that which separates, and remember the veil was what? The veil was rent. So between this beautiful veil, or on this beautiful veil, it represents when it was torn or when it was rent from top to bottom, it simply represents that now we can take the intellect, yielding it to the most holy place here, and as we yield it to the most holy place, then it becomes spiritual intellect. Yes. It's spiritualized. It's yes. not just intellect of man. See, man here was toward this, what, palm tree speaking of maturity. So man has to mature and grow up. Yes. And he does that since the veil is retinite now by taking that intellect and that human reasoning and ego and five senses and, and emotions 
by yielding it to the most holy or yielding it to the Christ mind of the right side, it all then becomes spiritualized. Amen. And it's Amen. spiritual intellect, Amen. spiritual knowledge, yep. spiritual reasoning, yep. spiritual ego, <coughs> spiritual logic. Our five senses are spiritualized, and this is why the scripture says that we can feel after him. That's part of the five senses. Amen. Feeling is one part. Yep. We can taste after him. Yes. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. See, so when the veil was rent, intellect could not get in there because remember Romans chapter 8, carnally mindful people cannot yield or submit, yeah. I'm not sure what word is used there, to the law of God. See, it has to be yielded. It has to be given up, if you will. Yeah. 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 Now, the holy place, as I said, we'll go back to Exodus chapter 26. Let me hit this first before we go on here. Exodus 26, 33, still talking about the veil. And look what the last part of that says in Exodus 26, 33. And the veil shall divide, notice the next two words, unto you, ah, between the holy place and the most holy. So the veil was rent from top to bottom, doing what? Dividing, as the quickened word does in Hebrews 4, 12, Dividing asunder soul and spirit. See, because before the veil was rent, intellect could not come in. Right. Could not be yielded to the right side. Right. So now it can be yielded to the right side because the veil has been rent, and it's been rent from the top to the bottom. From our awareness, from our heart awareness, all the way down to our physical anatomy, Amen. the veil has been rent. Amen. Now, we've taught before how that the left side is the tithe. The left side is us giving the tithe because they say, whoever they is, we use about 10% of our feminine principle, of our brain. We use about 10% of our brain, but on the mind of Christ side, we use 90%. And so people say, you know, in the natural, when they're in religion, they say, well, you've got, did you pay your tithes this week? And they believe it's pulling money out. It's giving money out of your earned income. But do you know what the tithe really was in the Old Testament? The tithe was really given 10% of what grew out of the ground. Yeah. So allegorically, it's the thoughts that you grow out of your left side <laughs> that you give wow. as the tithe. Good. Good. <laughs> Isn't that good? Let me say that again. <laughs> The tithe is the left side, those lower thoughts, and just mere intellect and reasoning and logic and so forth, and emotions and, and five senses. That's the tithe. And in the Old Testament, the tithe had nothing to do with money. It had to do with bringing the 10% as a first fruit, yes. offering that unto the Lord of that which grew out of the ground. So what are we doing? When Jesus talked about the parable of the sower sowing the seed, he likened the seed being sown into the ground, and I think it's in Mark 4, he called it the heart awareness, or the heart. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the tithe is what we give up, and what we bring, Amen. and what we yield, what grows out of our heart awareness, Amen. when it is not subjectively one with our Christ mind. So that's the veil which divides the holy place from the most holy place. And again, where is the most holy place? It's the right side. Where is the holy place? And, and remember, we are the temple. Yeah. And most people will say, well, yeah, you know, 
all of us is the temple. Yes, I can agree, but there's a specific place, as you know, yes. where the temple is. You have a temple on your right, right. hemisphere, and you have a temple yeah. on your left hemisphere. Yeah. And cut your head off, I'll guarantee you, you will not experience anything of what I'm talking about. Unless you have a mind, a Christ mind, yeah. unless you have a brain, unless you have a hippocampus, unless you have an arachnoid, unless you have a, a pia mater and a dura mater, unless you have all those parts in your head, between your ears, in your right hemisphere, and your left hemisphere, you ain't going to experience nothing of what I'm talking That's about. Right. That's right. Now, the veil divides between the holy place and the holy of holies, so we can now take the intellect into the right side now, or we can yield it into the right side. Now, we are the temple, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm not going to turn there. There was a temple that was made by man's hands in the Old Testament, right. which is allegorical of the temple in 2 Corinthians 5 that was made without man's hands. It was right. not made with man's hands. Right. That's the temple we're talking about, the temple that we are, that was not made with man's hands. Because, listen, someone says, well, you know, I have a mom and a pop. Well, you know, Jesus said, Jesus himself said, yeah. Don't call yep. any man on earth your father. You have one. Yes. So we evolved out of father. Yeah. It's not a bad word. We, we, we were spirit from before time began in the father in pure spirit form. I believe we chose to be released to come here physically. Amen. And so therefore, therefore, as we talk about this temple not made with man's hand, you can read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about some great things there. It talks about the fact, and people use this at funerals all the time, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Well, to be absent from the left side in and of itself is to be experiencing subjectively the presence of the Lord. Amen. See? Yeah. To be in the body or at home in the body is to be absent from the Lord. In other words, just like it says in Romans chapter 8, if you're carnally mindful, you cannot submit to the law of God or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So this cannot come into this as it is. This has got to be yielded. Yeah, yeah. Those lower thoughts have got to be yielded. Now, let me show you something about the construction of the temple. Go to 1 Kings chapter 6. And we've looked at this one before, but let me just kind of bring some other things out of this that I have not talked about before. 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. Looking at the construction of the temple. And remember... You and I are the temple, specifically right here, our left hemisphere and our right hemisphere. That's the temple. Yes, we're the house of God in our body and that sort of a thing. But there's a specific place that we must identify as the temple. And it's right here on our head, between our ears. 1 Kings 6, 8. And it says here, the door for the middle chamber was in the right side of the house. And they went up with winding stairs. That's the energy in your body that's moving from the lower energy fields all the way up to the seventh, onto the right side. That brings about enlightenment. It's the pineal or it's the single eye and the energy flowing in that. And then it goes on to say, and they went up with winding stairs into the middle chamber and out of the middle into the third. So the temple in the Old Testament was made by man, but there was a temple, 2 Corinthians 5, not made by man's hand. So this middle chamber would be what? It would be our left side. The middle chamber is the left side because you see on the tabernacle, it's the middle, the feminine principle, okay? 
It's the middle. The middle chamber, as it says here in 1 Kings 6 and verse 8, is our left side, while the third, where it says to go out of the middle unto the third, is talking about what? The most holy place, or it's talking about our right side. Now, again, as we join those two together, it's just like Jesus telling the disciples when they hadn't caught any fish all night. He said, cast your energy to the right side. Cast your left side to the right side, yeah. right? Cast, and obviously they were trying to fish on the left side. Yeah. And fish represents wisdom. And once they cast their energy or their nets, their energy to the right side, they got a mother load of fish, yeah. a mother load of wisdom. Yeah. You want to, now we all have wisdom in us, but you want to subjectively experience the mother load of truth and wisdom, Amen. cast your net or your energy to the right side. Amen. And this is what this is talking about in 1 Kings 6 and verse 8. It is all the construction of the temple, yes, but it all has to do with what's happening on the inside of us as we yield those Amen. lower thoughts and the left side to our Christ mind. Now, go back to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. When we turn within or obey what Jesus said to do in meditation, it separates the left side from operating in and of itself. And what happens then? The veil is rent. Now, objectively, the veil was rent in the temple, this temple, but the veil was rent in this temple. Objectively, but now, if you want to experience the veil being rent in this temple right here between our ears, then you must do what Jesus told us to do. Take no thought. Turn within. Go into the prayer closet. That means go within. Shut the door. Shut off anything that five senses is talking to you about or intellect or reason or emotions. Shut it all down. And as you go into the inner portion of your being, then you will begin to experience this marriage and this veil, which was rent objectively. You'll be able to experience it subjectively, being rent in your very being. And you know what will come to pass within your life and my life? What Jesus said when he said, Physician, heal thyself. We rent the veil, folks, subjectively. Jesus did it objectively yeah. at the cross. Yeah. We do it subjectively. Amen. Now, look at verses 52 and 53 of Matthew 27. Look what it says here. And the graves were opened. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to get a little controversial here because I'm going to tell you there were no people that crawled out of graves stinking <laughs> and going into the holy city and many saw them. Exactly. I'm going to give you scripture for it too. Verses 52 and 53, and the graves were open. Now, when was this? After Jesus' resurrection, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Sounds like that was literal, doesn't it? And came out of the graves after his resurrection, after Jesus' resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, if you want to believe that happened literally, you know, have at it. Go ahead. I'm not going to fight with you or argue with you whatsoever. But I know that these people that saw these that supposedly arose possibly saw them in spiritual form 
as the cloud of witnesses that we can read about in the book yeah. of Hebrews. But let me give you, let me quote a few scriptures to you. And this is why I do not believe that it was literal people that were in graves that arose. Some, you know, because no one really has arose in this manner that had been in the graves for many, many years. Okay, now Jesus arose. Why did he experience resurrection? His body never saw corruption, for one thing. Yeah, true. Remember Elisha, this man who got the double portion from Elijah? You know, he died, and he was thrown, an army was ensuing, and so he, in his funeral procession, they threw him in this hole, and a young kid comes in and falls into the hole, and he was dead too, but he was resurrected. He was raised. There was so much anointing in Elijah's bones that he resurrected, he himself died, but resurrected this kid that came along. I don't know how the story was exactly. I'm not going to go into that. I didn't take the time to really search it out, but I remember the story very well. And that's what happens to us. But now listen. In Job 7, 9, it says that he that goes down to the grave shall come up no more. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead it is sown in corruption, is raised in incorruption, which means when a person dies in their physical body, it's their spirit that goes back into the realm of spirit, goes back to God. Well, God's everywhere, so, so they're everywhere, and they're around us as the cloud of witnesses. Yeah. But no physical body was raised here. Right. Now, let me make the allegory here. In Matthew 27, 52 and 53, what this is talking about is something allegorically that happens to us after the resurrection. After the resurrection. Let me read a few scriptures because years ago I gave you a verse in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, where it said something like this, Those in the grave shall hear his voice and come forth. And it was not talking about people out here in the spooky cemeteries. I used to live by cemetery when I was a kid. And I thought, boy, I hope to God none of those people ever come out, out of that grave. <laughs> that was scary to me. I mean, I was a kid. That was scary to me. But when it says in John 5, 28 and 29, that those in the grave shall hear his voice and they shall come forth, the word graves there is a memory or a remembering. Oh, hey. A remembering. Yep. Now, in Psalm 22, I believe it is, it says, the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. Amen. What are we remembering? We are remembering, and we're already, as we receive this truth, folks, we're beginning to remember. Amen. I'm beginning to remember Amen. what was true of me from before time ever began. Yep. I'm beginning to remember. We're waking up, spiritually speaking. Yep. So you and I, what this means here in Matthew 27, 52, 53, you and I have been in the carnal way of thinking, dark and lower thoughts, but now we're hearing a word from within us, not just from me, but from within us we're hearing a word, and we're coming out of the grave of lower thinking, and we're coming into the holy city, Come on! which represents the higher thoughts. Yes! So all of this is beginning to happen within us because the veil has been rent objectively, and we, as we yield the left side, the lower thoughts and our religiosity, we are subjectively coming out of the grave of our lower thinking, yeah. our five senses, our emotions, our intellect, our human reasoning, our ego, our logic. We're yielding all of that. Yes. Subjectively, the veil is being rent.
and you and I are coming into the holy city, which is simply a higher consciousness yes. of the Father. Yes. And you know what? It's very interesting. Do you know that Matthew was the only one that talked about after his resurrection, the graves were opened, and people appeared and were seen walking in the holy city. Matthew's the only one. John said nothing about it. Luke said nothing about it. None of these guys said anything about it except Matthew here. But after the resurrection of Jesus, those in the graves of carnal thinking woke up. They were asleep in Christ. How many know the scripture talks about those dead in Christ? Yeah. It's not dead in their physical bodies. Right. They have no acknowledgement of Christ in their life. Right. That's dead. They're in Christ, but dead. Right. There are those that are asleep in Christ, but asleep. Asleep in religiosity and yes. lower thoughts. Yeah. And then there are those that are alive and remain for the coming of the Lord to take place within a people. Amen. And that's what this is talking about here. Now let me ask you this dumb question. Let me be like the duh disciples. What if out in a cemetery here in Portland, Indiana, there was just one body that arose out of the grave, come up at the casket lid flies open, the vault comes up, and someone crawls out of their grave? What would happen? Would just one person know about it? Like Matthew? Oh no, the whole city would find out. Amen. CNN would be here. Yeah. Oprah Winfrey would want to interview them. Yeah. Right? Just one, Dr. Phil. Dr. Yeah. Phil. Just one person. Kay Fairchild would want to tell them. <laughs> but Matthew was the only one that saw this. Now, now notice something. They came out of the graves of their religiosity. They went into the holy city. Now, what is the holy city? Well, it's Jerusalem. But most Christians have thought that these guys, this big bunch of goofballs, ragtag army, arose out of the grave, crawled out of their death, literally, and were seen in the holy city. Well, it's happening right now. After his resurrection, what does resurrection mean? To gather our faculties. The discovery of spiritual truth. To come out of the grave of your lower thinking and your religiosity. Now, Paul defined in Galatians 4, 25 and 26, he defined there two cities, and one city was called Jerusalem, which is in bondage to the left side. And then there was the Jerusalem that was free, that was the mother of us all. In other words, that holy city... Jerusalem means peace. The holy city that dwells within all of us is our Christ mind that is waiting to be joined to our virgin consciousness, which is the feminine spirit. You do know that spirit is not he, right? Yes. Spirit is feminine. You see? And all that one must do is come out of the graves of religiosity and carnal thoughts and five senses and all of this stuff that's associated with the left side and they have to yield that to the father side, and when they yield that to the father side, the mother side is going to embrace them, and spirit or mother is going to cause them to be joined together into one subjectively. Amen. And that's Amen. what's happening right now. Amen. We're coming out of the graves, folks. Amen. Coming out of the graves. Coming out of the graves. Amen. How? By giving our time. Right. Give the time. Yielding that which grows out of the head, yes. the brain, yes. yielding it to. 
wife's mind that hair girl. and we're beginning to experience that new Jerusalem, yeah. that city of peace, that higher consciousness. Yeah. Now, Amen. you're in Matthew 27. Look at verses 54 and 55. It goes on to say, Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, what is this centurion talking about? What is this centurion allegorically? Well, it's part of us that is the leading center of our mind. I could say it's the directive principle. And once the centurion has come and been a part of our left side, then what happens is, see, because what directs us? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Christ mind sown into our heart awareness is what directs us. So the centurion would be that directive part of our Christ mind that has been sowed into our virgin consciousness. And when the tithe has been given up, when the 10% has been yielded through our meditation and the veil is rent, it opens up the right hemisphere which says, truly this was the Son of God. Wow. Truly this was the operation. Amen. Truly this was the experience of the Son of God within us. Wow. Because now there's no difference between, that's why Paul said there's neither male nor female. Mm -hmm. The two are one. Yeah. What is it? Is it the right side or is it the left side? Or is it the two? Is it male or is it female? Or is it just, it is? Yeah. I say it is. Amen. It just is. Now look at verse 55. And many women. Now let me, let me back up and say this. At this point that we're talking about, when we say surely, and we realize surely this is the Son of God, at that point, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that what we are involved in is tree of life experience. Yep. Yep. The earthquakes, yep. fear dissipates, the things that we used to think were so important to us don't matter to us anymore. Amen. Amen. Now I know we just celebrated the 4th of July yes. and we gave allegiance to this yes. United States of America. But can I tell you something? I think our allegiance, and I'm happy to be an American, yes. but I believe our allegiance needs to be that of a universal blessing, That's yeah, right. amen. rather than just the United States of America. Yeah. I love this country, don't misunderstand, yeah. but where is our allegiance? Yeah. With this truth, you will get a universal allegiance yeah. and realize that the whole universe is blessed. You become universally minded amen. instead of just us four and no more. Yeah. Us here in America, and it's a wonderful place to live. Wouldn't want to live in any other place. Right. Sure wouldn't want to live over in Ukraine okay. or any place. But you know what? They have as much of a universal blessing as we have here. Amen. They just simply don't know about it. Right. But now look at verse 55 of Matthew 27. It says, And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee ministering unto him. In other words, when we yield that left side and a conception of that truth takes place in our virgin consciousness, guess what? The woman is the first to realize it. 
Who came to the grave, the tomb of Jesus? Not oh, the, grave, the tomb of Jesus first, but the woman. And once the woman, the masculine and the feminine, are joined, then we no longer are experiencing the corrective side, but we're now experiencing the loving side. There's a balance, and the lion lays down with the lamb. And that is when we don't have to put on the Christ mind any longer. We just live in it at all times. Now, none of us are there yet, but you know what? It, you know, it's coming... The times that we're not in the Christ mind is becoming fewer and fewer. Amen. And we're learning to just spontaneously live out of that. Yes. And the woman is the first to recognize that. Yes. Because she's penetrated yeah. by the sperm yeah. or the seed of the Christ thoughts yeah. that we sow into that. Amen. Verse Amen. 57, and when the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. Now, there's two things here. First of all, Joseph means here the remover, allegorically. Joseph means the remover, and the word Arimathea, Arimathea means the city of the Jews. Now, you know what I've taught about the Jews. Because the Jews are not just a group of people over in the Middle East that are the chosen people of God and that they are more highly favored than the rest of us. Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 2 defined the real Jew. Yeah. Yes. And it is one who had circumcision of the heart. Yeah. And what is circumcision of the heart? Yielding to the right side, yielding the left side, cutting off of the flesh, in other yeah. words. Yeah. The yielding, and, and he said that the real Jew is one that had circumcision of the heart, whose praise is not of man, but of God. So when this takes place, and as it's taking place within us, Joseph, something is being removed, okay? And we're experiencing Arimathea, or we're experiencing being the city, higher consciousness, of the Jews that have experienced this heart circumcision whose praise is not of man, but of God. Now, it says that this man, Joseph of Arimathea, was a rich man. Well, I don't think that he was so much rich in monetary goods. I mean, he could have been in the story. But as it says in Revelation 2 and verse 9, I know your works and your poverty and your tribulation, but you are rich and just don't know it. He told them they were rich. I know your poverty, but you're rich. So you see, Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man in the things of the Spirit. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. So the flesh or the left side is yielded in meditation. And as we experience that circumcision of the left side, the heart awareness, and our praise is only of the Father, then what takes place is we are very rich. And we are the true city, the higher consciousness of the Jewish people or of God's chosen people. Yeah. Now, it can include the people over in the Middle East. I'm not throwing that out. I'm just saying that on the day of Pentecost, the circle was made larger, and it included Amen. all mankind. Yeah. Amen. And I think it was really true from before the foundation that yeah. it was all men. I don't think yeah. it ever was just one chosen people of the no. Jewish people over in the yeah. Middle East. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, how we 
Yep. Lift that up. Yep. Eulogize that. We're going to go over there and build some trees, plant some trees. If you send us $1,000, we'll make sure it gets over into the Middle East, over to the city of Jerusalem to build some trees. Well, to me, it's a waste, folks. Yeah, that's right. To me, it's a waste. It's a big waste. Again, yes, they're a part of God's chosen people, but God's chosen people are all mankind. Right. That's right. He lighteth every man that cometh yes. into the world. Amen. Every man has a part in this yes. everlasting gospel. Amen. That was established from before time ever began. Now, look at verse look at verse 58. In other words, the rich mind is the rich man. Rich in the things of spirit. Yeah. And that's what Joseph of Arimathea really means. Verse 58 says, He, Joseph, went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. Verse 59. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. So when we turn within, when we yield the lower flesh or the lower aspects of the feminine principle, we subjectively then enter into the rock. Subjectively. We're already in the rock, objectively. All mankind is. But when we yield the left side, we subjectively enter into that rock. And when you enter into that rock, totally and completely, absolutely nothing can get on the inside of that rock. It's the rock of ages. It's the rock of salvation. It's the rock of Jesus Christ. Call it what you will. And that's very important because when you are in the center of the rock, no religion, no tradition, no emotions, no lower thoughts, no intellect, no human reasoning, no ego, no logic, nothing can get it. Nothing could get into that tomb when they rolled that stone in front of the tomb where Jesus lay. Nothing can get in that. And that's the place we want to go. And we can be in that fully and completely if we continually yield. See, and I believe our discernment is getting sharper and sharper. And we know immediately when something has challenged us or come to us to try to bring us down, to tear us away from that objective oneness that we already have. Now, I'm going to read this scripture. You don't have to turn there, but it's found in Numbers 20 and verse 11. And it's where Moses smote the rock twice and water came out. And remember, he wasn't supposed to smite it twice. He got in trouble for doing that. But here's what the point that I want to make. I believe the smiting of that rock twice represents all of the gimmicks wow. that people today try to tell you that you need when Jesus has told us what we need to do. I mean, you can buy feathers and you can buy sunglasses and you can buy all kinds of gimmicks and listen to certain YouTube tapes with guided meditation. And I'm not saying it's all bad, but it's only going to yield fruit that remains. But when we do it the way Jesus told us to do it in Matthew chapter 6, that's when we're tapping into fruit that remains. When we take no thought. When we go into the prayer closet within ourselves and shut the door, anything that tries to tell us otherwise, we block that out. We yield that. We yield that. Amen. We don't need any of these.
these other gimmicks. Yes, amen. And besides that, it shouldn't cost you a dime. Right. <laughs> Hello? Shouldn't cost us a dime. Damn. I don't need the glasses and the feathers and the gold dust and all yeah. of that stuff. <laughs> I don't need to fall on the floor and be like swaying. In the... Now, listen, I'm for emotions 100% when they're under the control of the spirit and spirit is leading me to be slain in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. If spirit is leading me to have those emotions, yeah. you know, within me heightened, I'm all for that 100%. Yeah. But to try to manufacture that, yes. it's not for the remains. No, it's not. Now, look at verse 60 as I try to close here of Matthew 27. He laid it in his own new tomb, and then it goes on to say, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And now the separation is completed. Mm -hmm. We are subjectively in the rock. Amen. We've taken, we've been taken to the mind which is rich in the truths of God. Yes. And we've been laid in that rock by Holy Spirit, our mother. Yes. And as we are in that place, nothing as the rock is rolled, nothing can get into that. Mm -hmm. And why is it so important for us? See, because, listen, Jesus was taken from what? The cross, the outside. And he was placed in this tomb. He was laid there. And then the stone was rolled in front of it that sealed it up. In fact, you can read that. It sealed that place up. So now this rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, has done his work, and now something beautiful happens, which is to sit on the inside of the rock. There'll be a great shaking. There'll be a great light. And as you are secluded in that place, the woman, the feminine, the spirit begins to join those two in a joining that can in no way be split apart again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we want to experience. Amen. That's yes. what we want to experience. Amen. So this is the allegorical story of Matthew chapter 27. Mm. Those verses that we read tonight. Separating the lower thinking. Separating the fleshly thoughts brings down that veil subjectively that divides masculine and feminine. And there in that divine mind were taken by the rich man, Joseph of Arimathea. Something has been removed, and we have been brought into the city of the Jews. There's been a circumcision that has taken place as we, as we have yielded the left side. And let me just say this. The only people who don't understand this is Christians. Yes. yes. Hello. Because listen, Christians do not want to understand meditation. Right. And I'm not against Christians. I consider myself a Christian. I've not thrown that out the window. It really means Christ-like. Yes. It's not talking about some religion. Jesus didn't come to start some new religion. Right. He didn't call himself a Christian. No, he but didn't. it still means Christ-like. But most do not understand what Jesus said when he said on Passover, when they wanted to go and prepare for the Passover, what did he do? He didn't say, go over here to Jerusalem and make ready for the Passover. He said, no. He said, when you see the man with the water pitcher, and that's the one within us, follow that one within us until you come to the higher room, until you come to the upper room. See, we're just beginning to understand this. That's Amen. Passover. That's when you pass over Amen. in your experience. Amen. You pass over from yep. winter 
into spring. And then as the energy, as you continue to cast the energy to the right side, that energy begins to rise. And as it rises up through those energy fields, as it envelops the pineal and goes to the right as it does when summer comes, then what happens? Enlightenment comes as never before. Amen. And you are in this place of the tomb. Amen. And the stone has sealed everything out. And your revelation talks about a people being sealed. That's what the sealing is, folks. Amen. This is what the sealing is. You've been laid in that tomb, wow. in that place of quietness. And the stone has been rolled in front of it. And everything is sealed out. Wow. And that's the place that we want to get to. Right. See, where is the tomb? Yeah. This is the tomb. Amen. But it was a new tomb. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. It was a new tomb. Yeah. It was a new consciousness. It was a new awareness. Amen. Amen. So this is what we've never been never used been before. before. Never been used before. And listen, let me say this along with that, since you said that. <laughs> I think that we are coming into some thoughts. Yes. And I heard this really quite a few years ago when we were still down in the shoe store or the dry cleaners. I, I don't know which, but. I remember driving to services and I was picking up Lorraine Williams and I had to pull my car over before I picked her up because I had to start writing what Spirit was giving me. Wow. And one of the things that he gave me was you're going to think thoughts that no man has ever thought. Amen. You're going to experience things that no man has ever experienced. Amen. I mean even Enoch and Elijah and Philip and these people that were wow. translated and experienced wow. all of these things and John the revelator. You're going to experience things they have not experienced. Amen. Hallelujah. We're writing and rewriting the book of Acts. Amen. Folks. Amen. We are the sign. Yeah. We are the wonder. Yeah. And we are the people. Amen. As we continue Amen. in this vein, we are the people that are going to subjectively experience this. Why? Because the groaning creation is on tiptoe looking for people. Yeah. Looking for the manifestation of the sons of God or a people that are not only speaking this as words, but they're walking Here it is. in the experience Here it is. of it. In other words, they are it. Yes. They, they have become Amen. subjectively yes. the living epistles known and read of all yeah. men. Amen. And that's what this story is all about Amen. in Matthew chapter 27. It's a wonderful story that reveals the truth of why we ever came here in the first place. Yes. What was the purpose to be here for such a time as this? Exactly what it says in Romans chapter 8. To show creation. Just as Jesus revealed the Father, guess what? We're revealing the Father. Yeah. Yeah. We're revealing the Father. And we're revealing it in our life, in our walk. Yeah. Not just our talk, but in our walk and in our life. And in our subjective experience. Yes. Singing a new song. Yes. Singing a new song. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the good news of the gospel. Thank you. Good news of the gospel. You're welcome. Amen. Father, we thank you. Yes, Lord. We bless you. We honor you. Thank you for spirit that is conceiving this word within us and quickening it, making it alive that we might experience it through and through in spirit and soul and body. We bless you. Yes. We honor you. Amen.